Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Swim, go to read this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Once again, my work schedule has left me recording this late at night, right before the due date of this bonus episode. I, I think it's just a miracle I was able to even keep the marks this whole time. But fortunately, things are calming down a bit in real life. And, um, yeah, we'll see how things go. What was really the problem this week, though, is um, I made the, I will say, poor life decision of deciding to stay up late Friday to cover the live letter from Square Enix in regards to FF14. And, well, it left pretty much no time to do prep, so I took Saturday off, and then left all of Sunday to get the normal podcast done, which we did do. And then I was Shanghaied into other tasks later on. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. I'll have to probably rethink how I approach that down the road. Maybe I do just very quickly on Saturday on live letter days, if I decide to do it down the road and just knock out the podcast then. Cause the thing is like, I cannot do the bonus episode until I've done the main episode yet. Cause I don't know what's going to be left. But in any case, let's actually get to the show. Oh, uh, one other thing that actually was a giant nightmare. I was having computer problems, like a lot of computer problems. Computer was just randomly freezing. It was becoming an absolute nightmare. Guess what the problem was? I thought it was various drivers. I thought it was a corrupted chipset. I thought it was a BIOS. It was an OBS update. That's all it was, an OBS update. An OBS update ruined everything. So let's talk about AMD. AMD's next gen Zen 4 CPUs could arrive in July. This would actually bring them coming way earlier than expected, but not out of the norm. July would put you into Computex territory. The biggest limitation right now, I would say is less R&D and more supply chain. If AMD is confident, that they can produce enough, why not launch it early? That's basically what it boils down to. Now, Intel is expected to launch Raptor Lake. Um, I am honestly not entirely certain which one Raptor Lake is supposed to be. We've gone through so many lakes 
on Intel's side. It's hard to keep track of them all. I assume Raptor Lake is supposed to be the second gen big little architecture. And actually that could be a major advancement for them. Their first generation of big little was pretty okay. If they could start perfecting that, that would be a big deal. And you know, between the AMD 7000 launching and Intel possibly launching a very competent big little architecture, this could be amazing. In fact, it already is. AMD's market cap has in fact surpassed Intel for the first time in history. If that's not a sign that, you know, you're getting back up there, I don't know what is. I mean, it's a huge milestone. Now, granted, this is also because of AMD's G-Link's acquisition that actually pushed them over the edge. But to say Ryzen has nothing to do with it is just foolish. Now, Intel is also going to be launching a new project. It is called Project Endgame. What is Project Endgame? It is suspected to be the thing we've all wanted. Cloud gaming. Yes, isn't that what we all wanted? Cloud gaming. Mm, yeah. That's uh, very, very attractive. I actually do wonder, once the chip shortage has lessened to the point when computer parts can be bought for relatively close to their MSRP, how popular will cloud gaming be? That's the question I got to ask. The biggest appeal of cloud gaming right now is the fact that good luck getting a GPU any other way. Want to go and get one from NVIDIA? Nope, that ain't happening. It's all consumed by frickin' cryptocurrency mining. You want one from AMD? Well, they've been, uh, hmm, varying degrees of either not available or just disappointing, or both. Actually, usually both. I really do want to see what RD, what the next generation of AMD's Radeon GPUs are going to be because these ones were so promising. They provide some actual competition to NVIDIA. It's just a shame this chip shortage deflated all the hype there was going to be out of this generation. You had second gen NVIDIA RTX cards. 
you had cards that were actually backed down and expected price ranges that we could be able to afford. Real-time ray tracing that didn't take as big a hit on the GPU. All of it. Gone. In a puff of smoke. All thanks to the chip shortage. But hey, you can get on a cloud gaming machine. Okay. Intel is planning to acquire Tower Semiconductor for $5.4 billion. Now, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know much about Tower Semiconductor, but I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. Are you really surprised that um, more people want to go ahead and grab uh, foundries and semiconductor manufacturers? No. Everyone wants to build more foundries right now. It has been massively exposed just how bad the lack of production has been. Let's shift gears back to NVIDIA here. The NVIDIA-powered Nintendo Switch might be getting a performance boost from AMD? I don't know what to make of this. This story could be something, or it could be something really dumb. But the new Switch Sports license has a note in regard to AMD's Fidelity FX Super Resolution upscaling technology. For those who don't know what this is, one of the big pushes right now with modern GPUs is the ability to render the image at a lower resolution and then use the AI capabilities of the GPU. In NVIDIA's case, it's using their AI-powered tensor cores. In AMD's case, it's using... I have no idea what, to be perfectly honest. I They, they, they just said it worked and it worked with all their GPUs. So, unicorn dust? I'm sure it's just a, a licensing sort of thing. Or not a licensing sort of thing. What am I saying? God, this is what I get for recording something late at night. It's a deal in regards to well, basically just using the basic cores of the GPU to go ahead and calculate it all out. I mean, it has to. There's no special hardware on there. But to see it on an NVIDIA-powered Nintendo Switch, for those who don't know, the Nintendo Switch is powered actually by a pretty old SoC. It's, if I want to, I want to remember right, it's powered by the NVIDIA Kepler K1 SoC, an ARM processor with Kepler-based graphics on it. But again, I'm going off memory and I could be wrong. So AMD's drivers to go ahead and try to get a boost from rendering at a lower resolution than upscaling it up to 720p. That might work there. The thing is how 
AMD's Fidelity FX Super Resolution doesn't require any special hardware to do it. Now, I also want to point out, it's a note. It's hard to say right now if such technology is being used. It's just curious that it was included. There's been a lot of bad info coming out of the Switch as of late. Remember when everyone was talking about a Switch Pro that was going to be able to upscale to 4K? Oh, that was a hoot. NVIDIA could more effect efficiently make their RTX 3050 GPUs if supply runs dry. Before you see, they have plans to go ahead and use the GA107 GPU and use the full broad of that to put into the RTX 3050 instead of a cut down version of the GA106. So basically, for those who don't know, the way NVIDIA marks their GPUs is that first the letter G means that it's a graphics card. I assume. The letter after that is the code name for it. A is for Ampere, which is our 3000 series GPUs. One is the generation number, Gen 1. Zero means that we haven't figured out what to do with that number yet. And then the lower the number, the less cut the GPU is. So GA100 is a pure Ampere GPU. Normally those are only used in data centers. Usually in, in your high-end 3090s, you see a GA102. And then it gets cut down more and more. And then when you get to something like a, a GA106, that's usually used for the 3060. But if there's defects in that GA106, then... It would then be they would then just have the defective parts of it disabled and then a few more disabled to reach the RTX 3050 spec. But they are now able to make GA107s, which are basically a laptop GPU, if I'm understanding this correctly, and just unlocking it fully and putting that into the card. And now keep in mind, I am not a graphic card engineer by any stretch of the imagination. This is just my understanding of how this works based on people with higher pay grades telling me how it works. So. Will this be good? Will this be bad? I don't know. Right now at this point, uh, anything you can do to go ahead and help the supply chain, greatly, greatly desired.
The IRS-Z Max is no longer a mobile chip. We have now seen it out in the wild. A Chinese company, Gunner, G-U-N-N-I-R, has recently updated its website with a new model called the IRS-Z Index V2, which shows as a very small but full-size dual-slotted GPU. Now, I'll say this much. The card looks cheap. We have a cool-looking shroud on it with a plastic shroud with a plastic cover over the whole thing. The card itself is only one slot, even though the cooler goes up two slots. And um, we have a down-blower fan onto what basically looks like a milled aluminum block heatsink. So, I mean, this GPU most likely is... Does this, does this article actually say what it is? It has a power limit of 25 to 41 watts. I hate this. You wonder what I hate the most about this? It's a 41 watt card that's dual slotted. If this thing could actually perform, I would have loved to have seen this as a half-height card. I would have loved to have seen this breathe some new life into some office computers. Well, not anymore. Maybe it's just, you know, the, um, the refurbisher in me. But man, I would love to see some freaking cards that'd be super useful for refurbishing computers, you know? Shifting gears radically, good news. Google Messages with RCS is now Samsung's default messaging app. Now, what is RCS? So have you ever talked with anyone who uses an iPhone and you have the issue of blue bubbles versus green bubbles? Green bubbles being your standard text message bubbles and blue bubbles be being the cool people chatting on the iPhone with each other? RCS is basically a standard that communicates properly with the iPhone's proprietary setup so that a lot of nonsense that would occur, like on an iPhone, you can like someone's message, but as an Android user, if someone liked my message, I would just get a text back saying liked and then every single word of my text. So with RCS, that will be gone. And a lot of features you'd have with something like iMessage are coming to Android, such as a higher file limit when texting someone. When, 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 I am surprised it took this long to happen. By the way, guys, bad news. Google Plus is dead. Again. For real this time. It was brought back to life briefly in 2009, but it's it's dead again. Anyway, someone on Windows on when on Android 13 device uh, went ahead and uh, got Windows and Doom in a VM to run on Android. <laughs> what? 
why? I mean, I know the answer. The answer is why not, but why? I'm, I'm not even mad. I'm kind of impressed, but why? Like the experience can't be good, right? Although back in the day, there were eight inch phones that would unfold into a very small laptop. They ran Windows Vista. I kid you not. It was crazy. And yes, this was back in the era of Windows Vista. So this was like right around when the iPhone was coming out. Or does it predate that? Oh, maybe it... No, wait. Mm, man. I think these actually did predate the iPhone. The Windows Vista phones. Now I'm actually curious. I'm never going to find out, though, because I don't remember what the heck the name of these things were. And finally, maybe after prompted after someone got Windows to run on an Android phone, Google wants to bring its privacy sandbox to Android to go ahead and bring up a healthy discussion about online privacy. I mean, you got to do something right, Google. With Apple pretty much winning the war on who has a safer, privacy-focused phone network, you're clearly losing the battle. So, I mean, at this point, you might as well, right? All right, that is it for the stories I got. As far as updates go, I really don't have anything, unfortunately. Most of my energy right now, both on the stream and the podcast, has been focused on yanking out the last of the remnants of Streamlabs out of my entire setup. And uh, fortunately, has pretty much been done. There's just like a few little things here and there that just haven't been fully updated. But for now, like Streamlabs does not run on my stream at all anymore. And I'm actually really proud of that. I really, really am. I have to go through and double check all that. Seeing as how, well, when you have a setup like mine that's very, very complicated, you really don't want to go ahead and double check all of it. That is going to do it for this bonus episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm pretty sure this was a bit shorter. I had to pause in the middle of it actually because some urgent stuff came up. But I thank you again for subscribing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope to bring more quality content soon. Take care. And hopefully you have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>